Life is complex. Join us for the simple gifts of wisdom, love, and delight in the written word. The Federalist Papers Federalist Number 43 The same subject continued. The powers conferred by the Constitution further considered. By James Madison Part 1 To the people of the State of New York The fourth class comprises the following miscellaneous powers. 1. A power, quote, to promote the progress of science and useful arts by securing, for a limited time, to authors and inventors, the exclusive right to their respective writings and discoveries, end quote. The utility of this power will scarcely be questioned. The copyright of authors has been solemnly adjudged in Great Britain to be a right of common law. The right to useful inventions seems with equal reason to belong to the inventors. The public good fully coincides in both cases with the claims of individuals. The states cannot separately make effectual provisions for either of the cases, and most of them have anticipated the decision on this point by laws passed at the instance of Congress. 2. Quote, to exercise exclusive legislation in all cases whatsoever over such district, not exceeding ten miles square, as may, by session of particular states, and the acceptance of Congress, become the seat of the government of the United States, and to exercise like authority over all places purchased by the consent of the legislatures of the states, in which the same shall be, for the erection of forts, magazines, arsenals, dockyards, and other needful buildings. End quote. The indispensable necessity of complete authority at the seat of government carries its own evidence with it. It is a power exercised by every legislature of the Union, I might say of the world, by virtue of its general supremacy. Without it, not only the public authority might be insulted and its proceedings interrupted with impunity, but a dependence of the members of the general government on the state, comprehending the seat of the government, for protection in the exercise of their duty, might bring on the national councils an imputation of awe or influence, equally dishonorable to the government and dissatisfactory to the other members of the Confederacy. This consideration has the more weight, as the gradual accumulation of public improvements at the stationary residence of the government would be both too great a public pledge to be left in the hands of a single state, and would create so many obstacles to a removal of the government as still further to abridge its necessary independence. The extent of this federal district is sufficiently circumscribed to satisfy every jealousy of an opposite nature, and as it is to be appropriated to this use with the consent of the state ceding it, as the state will no doubt provide in the compact for the rights and consent of the citizens inhabiting it, as the inhabitants will find sufficient inducements of interest to become willing parties to the session as they will have had their voice in the election of the government which is to exercise authority over them, as a municipal legislature for local purposes, derived from their own suffrages, will of course be allowed them, and as the authority of the legislature of the state, and of the inhabitants of the ceded part of it, to concur in the session, will be derived from the whole people of the state in their adoption of the Constitution. Every imaginable objection seems to be obviated. The necessity of a like authority over forts, magazines, etc., established by the general government, 
is not less evident. The public money expended on such places, and the public property deposited in them, requires that they should be exempt from the authority of the particular state. Nor would it be proper for the places on which the security of the entire Union may depend to be in any degree dependent on a particular member of it. All objections and scruples are here also obviated by requiring the concurrence of the states concerned in every such establishment. 3. Quote, to declare the punishment of treason, but no attainder of treason shall work corruption of blood or forfeiture except during the life of the person attained. End quote. As treason may be committed against the United States, the authority of the United States ought to be enabled to punish it. But as newfangled and artificial treasons have been the great engines by which violent factions, the natural offspring of free government, have usually wreaked their alternate malignity on each other, the Convention have, with great judgment, opposed a barrier to this particular danger by inserting a constitutional definition of the crime, fixing the proof necessary for conviction of it, and restraining the Congress, even in punishing it, from extending the consequences of guilt beyond the person of its author. 4. Quote, to admit new states into the Union, but no new state shall be formed or erected within the jurisdiction of any other state, nor any state be formed by the junction of two or more states, or parts of states, without the consent of the legislatures of the states concerned, as well as of the Congress. End quote. In the Articles of Confederation, no provision is found on this important subject. Canada was to be admitted of right on her joining in the measures of the United States, and the other colonies by which were evidently meant the other British colonies at the discretion of nine states. The eventual establishment of new states seems to have been overlooked by the compilers of that instrument. We have seen the inconvenience of this omission, and the assumption of power into which Congress have been led by it. With great propriety, therefore, has the new system supplied the defect. The general precaution that no new state shall be formed without the concurrence of the federal authority and that of the states concerned is consonant to the principles which ought to govern such transactions. The particular precaution against the erection of new states by the partition of a state without its consent quiets the jealousy of the larger states as that of the smaller is quieted by a like precaution against a junction of states without their consent. 5. Quote, to dispose of and make all needful rules and regulations respecting the territory or other property belonging to the United States, with a proviso that nothing in the Constitution shall be so construed as to prejudice any claims of the United States, or of any particular state. End quote. This is a power of very great importance, and required by considerations similar to those which show the propriety of the former. The proviso annexed is proper in itself, and was probably rendered absolutely necessary by jealousies and questions concerning the Western territory sufficiently known to the public. 6. Quote, to guarantee to every state in the Union a republican form of government, to protect each of them against invasion, and on application of the legislature or of the executive, when the legislature cannot be convened, 
against domestic violence, end quote. In a confederacy founded on Republican principles and composed of Republican members, the superintending government ought clearly to possess authority to defend the system against aristocratic or monarchical innovations. The more intimate the nature of such a union may be, the greater interest have the members in the political institutions of each other, and the greater right to insist that the forms of government under which the compact was entered into should be substantially maintained. But a right implies a remedy, and where else could the remedy be deposited than where it is deposited by the Constitution? Governments of dissimilar principles and forms have been found less adapted to a federal coalition of any sort than those of a kindred nature. Quote, As the Confederate Republic of Germany, says Montesquieu, consists of free cities and petty states, subject to different princes, experience shows us that it is more imperfect than that of Holland and Switzerland. Greece was undone, he adds, as soon as the king of Macedon obtained a seat among the Amphictyons, end quote. In the latter case, no doubt, the disproportionate force, as well as the monarchical form of the new confederate, had its share of influence on the events. It may possibly be asked what need there could be of such a precaution, and whether it may not become a pretext for alterations in the state governments without the concurrence of the states themselves. These questions admit of ready answers. If the interposition of the general government should not be needed, the provision for such an event will be a harmless superfluity only in the Constitution. But who can say what experiments may be produced by the caprice of particular states, by the ambition of enterprising leaders, or by the intrigues and influence of foreign powers? To the second question, it may be answered that if the general government should interpose by virtue of this constitutional authority, it will be, of course, bound to pursue the authority. But the authority extends no further than to a guarantee of a republican form of government, which supposes a pre-existing government of the form which is to be guaranteed. As long, therefore, as the existing republican forms are continued by the states, they are guaranteed by the federal constitution. Whenever the states may choose to substitute other republican forms, they have a right to do so, and to claim the federal guarantee for the latter. The only restriction imposed on them is that they shall not exchange republican for anti-republican constitutions, a restriction which, it is presumed, will hardly be considered as a grievance. Tis the gift to be simple, tis the gift to be free, Tis the gift to come down where we ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, t'will be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend, we will not be ashamed. To turn, turn, will be our delight, till by turning, turning, we come round right. <laughs>